Across the street from the Texas State Capitol in Austin, this is the Trey Blocker Show, starring Charlie Hodge and Trey Blocker with today's guest, State Representative Drew Darby. And here's Trey Blocker. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Trey Blocker Show. We're honored indeed to have Representative Drew Darby in our studio this morning. Welcome, sir. I'm glad to be here, Trey. Thanks for joining us. Representative Darby was born and raised in San Angelo, Texas, first elected to the Texas House in 2006. Uh, His district, District 72, covers nine counties in West Texas, which, if my almanac was correct, is bigger than seven states. Is that correct? Absolutely. And I put about 30,000 miles on my uh, F-150 pickup. And I can tell you, every every one of those miles are there. <laughs> I'll bet you know every gas station, too. Absolutely. you're thinking, I'm going to see how far I can stretch this tank. <laughs> Absolutely. There's always a game you play. Can I make it to the next town? And it just kind of gives a little excitement to the trip. You are not driving a Prius out there, are you? Absolutely not. I'm, I'm out in oil and gas country. And, That's uh, right. Yeah, you probably get your butt kicked if you did anyway, well, but you wouldn't be able to make it to the next uh, plug-in, right? Well, absolutely. And uh, deer at night uh, are extreme hazard to a Prius, and you might survive a Ford 150 pickup. Especially if you have one of those ranch hand grill guards. No, I'll tell you what. Interestingly, I've had pickups all my life, but uh, I've had the most sustained injury to the uh, vehicle by having the guards. They they huh. tend to uh, they tend to hurt more than they help. Oh and wow! So so I've I've stopped putting them on. Hmm. Do you use those little whistles? Were those ever proven effective? I think they attract deer. To tell you the <laughs> truth, Charlie. Now, what kind of deer are we talking about? Standard. Whitetail we'd find here in the hill country, or these are a little bigger. These are a little bigger. They they have they're a little tougher. They mm-hmm. have to forage a little further. <laughs> they get up and keep going. That's exactly right. They'll, like, oh, what was that? They'll come in and if if you know, and I found also that uh, you don't want to slam on your brakes because when you do, your nose of your vehicle dips uh, down and they hit and flip into the windshield. And I had that happen one time. That would in the windshield. So, into the windshield. Uh, I was a passenger, but the deer landed basically in my lap and oh. and that was not a that was not a fun occasion but uh yeah so i just i just keep going so if if we hit them we hit them head on and and just uh, keep moving just keep moving how did you get the deer out of your lap well we had to we were by that time fully stopped and and uh, we had some folks in the back seat that were able to to open the door and help me the deer was dead, but Good, uh, thankfully, right? Uh, thankfully, yes, but uh, it was still a mess. Golly, I can't imagine <laughs> you have to burn these clothes. Yeah, That's right. Seriously. So, um, San Angelo. That Saint. Who's Saint Angelo? Saint Angelo, and it was a patron saint uh, of the church. And uh, San An- Santa Angela grew up across the river from Fort Concho, ah. which is. Um, established in the 18 late 1880s or early 1880s and um, it was one of those outpost force forts fort chadburn fort uh, uh fort uh, concho was the fort it was actually the home of the 10th cavalry which is the buffalo soldiers oh, wow. and so they were stationed there and it was one of the outposts that helped combat the war with the comanches and tried to protect uh, frontier frontier settlements and so as you might suspect, uh, the fort was on one side of the river, the Concho River, and, and the city of or village of Santa Angela was on the other. Hmm. 
Now, this was a wild uh, community, uh, home to a, a lot of, of uh, bars and, and houses of ill repute. Mm. And so it was, it was a— Like Charlie's house. It, yeah. was, it was a wild and woolly west back then. And, uh, of course, the community grew up around that little village. And, and now, you know, thankfully we're about 105,000 in the, in the county and a, just, well, about 110,000 in the county and 105,000 in San Angelo. Well, and it's still, is it still a place to party? <laughs> well, you know, I've, I've reached an age where I'm probably not fully aware of all the sights and sounds that might be available, but uh, it seems to be a thriving community that uh, people want to go to and attend. We've revitalized the downtown area and created uh, some attractions that uh, that uh, people want to go see. Actually, Fort Concho is, is one of the best preserved forts in all of the United States, uh, it is it's quite a sight to see, and I would encourage everyone, the listening audience, to to go out and 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 uh, look at it and participate in. It's a wonderful art community, home of the San Angelo, San Angelo Museum of Fine Arts, one of the premier uh, art museums in in uh, Texas, and uh, so there's there's a lot to be seen, and we've kind of restored the river and. And uh, it is a it is not exactly like the Riverwalk in San Antonio, but it certainly has its own advantages. I think I may jump on my motorcycle and ride out there tomorrow. And, and I don't think I'm going to come back until the legislative session's over. <laughs> You're hiding. I'm going to hide out. I may want to climb on behind you. Right, exactly. <laughs> put our put our bandanas on and and ride. So to give our audience a little more background, you graduated from the University of Texas and also the University of Texas Law School. That's correct. Uh, you have a very wonderful wife, Clarissa. Correct. Five wonderful kids, and now you have four grandkids. Four grandkids, and we uh, we have uh, th- two daughters that got married here in Austin uh, last summer. So uh, uh, as time goes by, hopefully we'll see some more grandchildren. So is Reagan here in town? She's a nurse, correct? She is, but she is uh, she lives in Fort Worth, but Fort. she flies uh, with a company out of Eastland, Texas, and she is a, a trauma nurse and and uh, has her uh, paramedical license and and uh, flies on helicopters. I asked her. I oh, said, wow. "Let me get this straight. You want to on a dark and stormy night? You want to board a helicopter, fly to a remote location?" and see somebody that's clinging to life and depending on you to take them to a hospital, get them to a hospital? And she said, yes. And I said, well, bless your heart. Uh, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. Got, that's a calling. That's a calling. Uh, and so um, it, it wouldn't be for me, but it is for her. Thank God for her. Sure. Absolutely. And then you, how'd you end up with three lawyers as kids? <laughs> oh, I don't know. I guess I'm plagued uh, with, with what I do, and and uh, they they did not learn from my experiences. But uh, yes, we have been blessed. We have out of the out of the five children, we have uh, three lawyers, and of course the nurse. And then I've got a beautiful daughter in, in Breckenridge, Colorado, that's uh, that works for the largest food service company in the uh, world. And uh, she's able to live in one of the prettiest places in the world and right. manage to balance a beautiful family and, and make a living. And uh, in an area you and I and Charlie would uh, love to see it, wake up every morning 
yeah. and experience. Well, Which we I, get to escape to maybe in, in the heat of August every now and again. Oh, absolutely. That mountain country is, is gorgeous. It is absolutely gorgeous. So, Mr. Chairman, you are currently chairing the House Committee on Energy Resources, and you're also chairing... Which, which most people don't chair two committees at once, so this is quite unusual, but you're also chairing the Select Committee on State and Federal Power and Responsibility. That sounds pretty pretty intense. Can you tell us about that? Pretty powerful is what this, uh, the name sounds, but uh, what it is is, uh, you know, we've been tasked with the responsibility as, uh, you know, as we have a new administration and we have... Uh, uh, the possibility of attracting block grants, for example, in Medicaid. Uh, there's been promises of relief in border security. Uh, we have transportation, water infrastructure commitments by the administration. Um, we have uh, commitments all across the board that there may be m- more programs available to Texas. This committee will look at how we coordinate uh, those benefits coming back and forth and make sure when we leave in at the end of May that we'll have a mechanism in place to uh, kind of funnel that money into the budget, into the various agencies so that we uh, can take advantage of the additional resources that may be coming to, uh, from the administration down to the state level, sure. allowing us more flexibility. And so uh, that's the primary responsibility. And then, of course, we have the responsibility of hearing uh, bills with regard to uh, initiatives, whether it be to ask the federal government to um, call a convention of states. Uh, we, we approved three bills out of the committee this week, which uh, addresses the governor's, one of the governor's top priorities, which is uh, the call on Congress for a convention of states, and, and we pass those bills, and those will come before the floor of the House in the next couple of weeks. So um, it's an inter- interesting committee. We had a over a 13-hour meeting uh, last week uh, that uh, listened to very passionate people who view these issues uh, from a strong intellectual standpoint. Right. Uh, the Constitution has a printed word, but as we know, the treatises and commentaries over the years have grown to different interpretations. We've had an active Supreme Court that has interpreted the Constitution, and yet you have people very informed, very knowledgeable on both sides of every issue. Right. The hearing showed that uh, we had nearly 100 people testify and over uh, 150 folks that signed up uh, on one side or the other of all of those bills. So what were they most worked up about? Well, they just, they just believe that uh, if we don't call a convention of states, then this country is, is on a glide path to failure. Uh, we need to have states re- assert their authority over the federal government. We created the federal government, and they believe strongly that uh, we need to seize back that power. Uh, and absent a convention of states, there's no mechanism to do that. Congress will not self-regulate itself. And so the issues relate to balanced budget and uh, uh, term limits, and, of course, uh, federal overreach. Right. And so there are other people on the other side of that issue that say this is a mechanism that has never been tried in 200 years. Uh, they're fearful of what the effects of that would be. They fear a runaway convention that would completely rewrite the, the Constitution from top to bottom. And so they're, they believe that the calling of uh, an Article 5 <coughs> convention would... Um, would certainly uh, 
put this country on a path to destruction. So <laughs> they're equal. They see the same document. They see the same commentaries. They've re- researched history right. completely, but yet they have come to ex- ex- exactly diametrical opposite views on the issue. And, and that was an interesting time to listen to all that testimony. Sure. Well, I noticed looking at all the bills that have been referred to your committee, there are just some interesting issues. Um, there's there's one le- piece of legislation that has been filed to um, require that the president be elected by a national popular vote as, as opposed to the Electoral College, uh, which is the current means of electing the president. So I'm yeah. sure that's, a, that's an interesting one. There's some firearms-related stuff in your committee as well. Then I also noticed that, that you just passed out HCR 36. HCR for our audience stands for House Concurrent Resolution. And HCR 36 urges Congress to propose and submit to the states for ratification a federal balanced budget amendment. Absolutely. Why is this so hard? Why is this so hard? <laughs> well, you it. know, we, we all struggle even in our own households to balance the budget because the incomes, uh, sometimes we have too much month for our money, as they say. Uh, you know, Congress, uh, we've had in the recent history, in the early 90s, we had a balanced budget. Right. But, uh, uh, but as uh, entitlement programs continue to rise, as the need to interject ourselves in world conflicts around around the world uh, to protect American interests, then then um, you know we've seen spending skyrocket uh, as as taxes have increased too, uh, revenue has increased. That's so, right. Uh, it is a uh, it is a system that is broke. There's just no question about that, and we need to get a hold of that. Uh, hopefully, we would have a Congress that would self-regulate itself. But um, you know, it, it's it's a worthy cause and it's a worthy attempt. But whether or not an Article Five convention will get us there or not, uh, I guess we'll just have to wait and see. Hard to say. Tell me if I'm digesting this right, because you know, you guys, you know, you live and breathe this stuff, and from kind of the outside perspective, I mean, it seems like you know the committee you sit on provides a ton of dough to the state. I mean, energy, the Permian Basin, I mean, all this oil and gas. So, I mean, does does it come to you because you have, I mean, does that give you negotiating power to kind of get some of these, I mean, that that these issues that deal with the federal level? I mean, is that why it comes to your committee? Well, there, there are two committees. My Energy Resources Committee is tasked with the responsibility of oversight, oversight for the oil and gas and energy-related right. industries here in Texas. And uh, we, we oversee the Railroad Commission and the TCQ. And, and our responsibility is to make sure we have an industry that uh, has a regulatory framework uh, that uh, is sensitive to the environment, but yet allows private property rights to be explored and, and to be uh, uh, fully uh, uh, expanded. And so, um, again, the Energy Resources is simply a committee that oversees all of that. In fact, my primary responsibility this session is to make sure that the Railroad Commission gets out of sunset which is a process that every agency goes through periodically to make sure they're still serving the purpose for mm-hmm. which we constituted them, uh, still has the regulatory ability uh, to meet those challenges, and and we set them on a path for another period of time. Uh, and that process, this session, the Railroad Commission is up, and so the primary responsibility for my committee was to get that bill out of 
uh, my committee and onto the floor of the House, which we did. It was our top priority. It's already been passed out of the Texas House and in the, in the Senate right now. Uh, secondly, it would be to make sure that the Railroad Commission has funding to meet those challenges. It is an industry, it is an agency that uh, we have constituted with a task of raising revenues from the, from the businesses in the in industry uh, through fees and other uh, charges for them to operate in this state, whether it be a drilling permit or uh, fines, uh, that sort of thing. And, and in periods of expanding oil and gas activity, uh, that model works, right. but in a period of economic decline, which we've seen over the last two years, that model does not work, and the Railroad Commission has has not been able to meet those challenges because, quite frankly, they don't have enough personnel because they don't have any money. Sure. So the, another top priority is to make sure with, buried in the budget, not buried, but, but certainly within the budget, uh, we have to have adequate resources to fund the Railroad Commission. I think there's some emergency funds uh, allocated in the supplemental budget now being considered by the conference committee be between the house and the senate on sb1 uh, we'll want to make sure that uh, those amounts still stay in the budget and we still have the ability to fund the agency you need a good uh, mascot to get some sympathy from the people like a sick choo-choo <laughs> you know it's got a fever and like a thermometer so, so that i wish brings, i could go up the hill that brings up a good point that a, pro, a lot of people don't realize um the railroad commission does not regulate railroads no uh, in fact <laughs> the, the texas Government. department the texas department of transportation regulates railroads uh, here in texas but uh it is a, it is a name that is a historic value uh for well over 100 years the railroad commission is a is a agency that commands respect all over the world. Uh, it is embedded in regulations from the federal government to other states. Uh, it's something that uh, we as Texans have taken pride in. And and uh, uh, but so but there is it, there is debate uh, even within my committee as to whether or not uh, you know the name of that agency to change. Sure. So. But I mean the paperwork <laughs> and all the business cards. I on know that's I mean, right. geez, all yeah, the archives. Who wants to go through that trouble? And I and I, I like the idea of you, of the mascot. And I think we should call it Charlie the Choo Choo Train. Aww. Yeah, how about that? Hey, folks, <laughs> I need money. <laughs> <laughs> so the the oil and gas industry in Texas and, and and across the nation has been in a depressed state for about the last decade. But now we're seeing the beginning of another boom, especially out in the Permian Basin in your district. Tell us about that. Absolutely. I think we're we're encouraged. Uh, San Angelo and Tomarine County is on the edge of the Permian Basin. We provide a lot of the service-related companies, uh, residences, and resources uh, that go out into the field and, and continue to produce and operate and, and sell uh, oil and gas products. Uh, we have seen uh, for nearly two years a decline in pricing, which has caused a lot of restructuring. Um, uh, if, if you were, did not have a lot of debt, uh, you're in good shape today right. and you maintain cash resources. If you overextended yourself, you're probably merged with another company right now and your assets uh, lie within another operating entity. Service-related companies were forced to take a hard look at what they charge for their pricing structure uh, and, uh, and have reduced their service prices dramatically. 
which uh, all together now positions the industry uh, to uh, take advantage of a price stability period, which we have right now. Prices hovering uh, near $50, a little above $50. And so what you have are companies that were are sound and had cash and and uh, are now positioned to go ahead and exploit those resources and they have service related companies that have reduced their prices so fifty dollars a barrel now is economical right and you have technology drilling companies no longer have to have 20 uh, bodies on on the drilling floor they can now do with technology and have two or three mm-hmm. one drone does it all <laughs> that's ex- well you know you're exactly right technology has uh, has really uh, taken advantage of, um, of of this industry, and now, you know, in two or three years ago, you had uh, lateral lines on horizontal wheel, wells being drilled at one mile intervals. Today, you have two mile intervals, right. and so you're able to, with the same vertical hole, uh, uh, attack uh, perhaps even six lateral wells, six lateral bores at different levels with up to two miles, and so. There's not as many uh, drilling permits needed. You right. you have one drilling permit that handles yeah. what six drilling permits did in the past, and therefore that goes back to my mm-hmm. concern about each one of those drilling permits comes with a, a revenue source for the Railroad Commission. So now you don't have six uh, fees being paid by the oil company to, to access a certain area. You just have one fee, and, and that remains a – you know, a hurdle mm. that we're going to have to accomplish. But, but the, the point is, sweet. the, the point is that we have, uh, we have an industry that is continues to be a very important part of, of the Texas economy. Uh, we, we have, uh, as you see, they paid nearly $10 billion in taxes last year here right. in Texas, $10 right. billion. That's a lot of money. From severance taxes to uh, uh, sales taxes to property taxes, so it's an important industry for Texas. Well, just the start. Some of those startups that have come out of your district that what the 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 techniques and the technology they're incorporating, like you were just. I mean, it's mind blowing. I mean, they're little companies, but they're basically inventing the way the big companies are all are going to do it. Absolutely, it's, just, I mean, it's impressive. It's it's American ingenuity. These kids that go to you know schools in San Angelo and go to these programs to learn about oil and gas and their minds, you know, I, you know, these kids have grown up with the internet, so they can they're just so informed. And then you you go to college to learn it, and it just their ideas are so more just so much more advanced because they just have so much more information and it's showing. Well, and they. Uh you know, I grew up in an era where we didn't have TV, and so we were all out, always outside playing baseball, football, shooting cans, h- hanging around. <laughs> you know that sort of thing. And now these kids, they have such uh, motor skills because they are gamers or they operate video games. So, so when you look at the control booth on an oil and gas rig, you see those skills. It's a joystick. Come in the joystick. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you. Think about it. You're you're handling a drill bit that goes down for two miles. or sometimes three miles, right. and then goes horizontal two or three miles or two miles. So, uh, just think about the dexterity and the technical uh, knowledge yeah. that you have to make that happen. 
So video games will rot your brain is not exactly <laughs> didn't turn out to be true, Mom. Uh, that's you, you right. Can drive a rig, yeah. and a little rig, uh, make and, a lot of money. And it's easy for those of us who who work around this industry to kind of geek out on this stuff. And probably some of our listeners are going, "What are they talking about?" But it is amazing, and I would encourage everybody listening to Google uh, modern oil rig or fracking. Uh, rig, but there are animated videos now that show you how exactly that works and how deeply that so the drill, drill just turns. goes into the ground and then goes horizontally, and it is amazing technology, and, I, and the vast majority of people have no idea how it works, and it's fascinating. And, and you know, it, it brings uh, other industries to bear also. Sand, silica being mm-hmm. mined in Texas right now. Isn't there a shortage or something? Well, they're absolutely. having to ramp it up because there's not enough sand. I remember reading it. I was like, not enough sand? Well, well, has that ever been a problem? There's usually <laughs> sand everywhere. You're like, I can't there get all the sand. sand out of my car. That's exactly right. But the reality is the industry uses a terrific amount of sand. Right. And, uh, and again, going back to the techniques that have developed over the, over the last several years, there's more sand being used. So when you have deeper and longer laterals you have more the need for more sand to drill the well and to frack the well so it has created um, uh, terrific boons in various parts of the state that have that sand and are now trying to get it to the permian basin and to the eagleford shale right can you comment on a a larger scope um out there in your district did y'all take opec personal the way they were behaving the way they were running down i mean was it was that kind of a was that roll up your sleeves kind of like intimidation where so I just remember reading about it and it seemed like we just kept producing more and more oil and they couldn't believe it. I mean, was yep. that because it was like, Oh really? You think you can snuff us out? I mean, was it personal? Well, you know, sometimes it was, but the reality is Texas, uh, since the turn of the century, last century had controlled and dominated world oil prices, uh, by using, uh, uh, proration and allocation, uh, we were able to manipulate, if you will, or control the price of oil. Uh, and then in the 70s, uh, OPEC assumed that uh, role and has been in the driver's seat for a number of years until uh, the technological revolution that we've seen uh, in the um, in the 2000s. I took pride in it. Thinking that we're showing those sure. LSU's Absolutely. boss. Absolutely. And I thought, uh, and I know that uh, OPEC tried to break American production uh, by their pricing strategy. Right. And um, they, they had a terrific effect on it, as we've seen, mm-hmm. but they have not broken uh, the spirit nor the technological advances of American industry. Well, the boys from Texas bailed everybody out. Well, we, 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 uh, the, the girls truth, too, boys the, and girls. <laughs> the truth is we have oh, my uh, daughter to be a geologist. We have uh, wonderful reservoirs of oil and gas in this state and they're finding more and they're able to produce more out of the ones we know about. And so we have the ability now to satisfy the needs of our own domestic production uh, we're no longer dependent upon OPEC uh, uh, for our survival, and so that is a good thing. Absolutely. So, Mr. Chairman, I, I printed a list of the bills that you filed this session, and you've f- filed 35 bills and joint authored a number of other things. 
and I was trying to find something interesting on there to talk about. And there's nothing. There's nothing on there. No, I, I no. mean, I hate to be that way, but it's all no, boring. No, and what no. are you doing? Let me tell you, that's all by design. <laughs> I was about to say, <laughs> no, no, that is all by design. <laughs> nothing to see here, folks. There, there, there's a couple of uh, local interest bills that uh, you you have to file, but uh, you know, I, I will tell you, uh, looking at this session, going into it um, with the budget issues. I serve on the Legislative Budget Board, which uh, work with Chairman Zerwas and uh, Chairman Otto in the interim and, right. and building the, the budget that we now have before us. Um, when you look at that and the challenges we face with rising health care costs, uh, funding our public schools, uh, higher, in, higher education, uh, border security, all the priorities of the state, um, it became clear to me that the only bill that really – must pass this session is the budget and so anything that uh, kind of takes away from our effort to do that would be distracting um, I, I, the process is set up to kill bills that's right and this is you know when you have all these th- six thousand plus bills being filed and how many how typically would pass it out like like 12 percent about 20 20 percent 20 maybe 1500 okay you know uh, but uh but the reality is a lot of those are resolutions. Right. I mean, they, they, they commemorate things, but they don't oh, okay. really do anything. Uh, any bill that has a fiscal note on it, which means it costs the state more money, if this bill is implemented, then those bills are dead. Um, uh, you know, we've seen a lot of issues that are filed that, uh, quite frankly, have no chance of passing, nor should they pass. Social, more like heated topic issues you're you know, getting at? Charlie, like the bathroom I'm, bill I'm, sort of stuff. I'm more of a meat and potatoes guy. Mostly potatoes, as you can tell, my <laughs> by, by my my by my body type. Uh, but I believe in four things. I believe in a strong public education. I believe in water, transportation, and good jobs. And I think that's what the legislature ought to be about. That's right. And you know, when I made that comment about the the bills that you filed, I said it you know jokingly for the most part because as I read through that list of bills. They're all very important bills, uh, doing very important things, and and I've known you since you've come to the legislature, and you come down here every session, and and you do the state's business, and, and you don't seem to get muddled down in in headline grabbing uh, issues or events, and I'd say that's a good thing. Well, I, I like to tell people uh, uh, I'm more of a plow horse and not a show pony. <laughs> so. Exactly. That's exactly, exactly. W- what my mission yeah. here right. in this role is. Right. The steak's what you eat. The sizzle is, is just it's just noise. <laughs> uh, that's right. Just I've noise. never heard that before. I might have to. Now wait a second. Are you gonna Are you gonna tell them about what we talked about yesterday? At the, yeah, the you, boat. You know. So I was flipping through my. Uh, it might make you cry. We might my, all cry here, yeah. but we'll. Okay. I was flipping through There's my iPhone the other day, and I mentioned this to Charlie, and I was trying to delete some pictures, and I, I actually scrolled all the way to the beginning of you know when I had pictures on my iPhone for the first time and then started working that direction down to the current day, and I come across this picture of you in this boat with this massive, I don't know if it was a trout or a redfish. I know you remember we were on the Kenai River in Alaska. Absolutely. It was a trout. (laughs) And uh, you and I were in the boat together, and and it was, you know, one of the highlights. Uh, I had never been to Alaska and had the opportunity to float down the Kenai and fish with you and the guide, and we had a wonderful day and sunshine and the 
river and the mountain and the views and the fish, all of that working. And, and uh, sorry to say that the, the day was was uh, touched by the, your news that uh, I think your dog had died. And right. uh, that put a pall on it. And, uh, you know, uh, you and I haven't talked much about that, but uh, uh, I know you were very close. And, and, uh, and so that was the only thing that detracted from that day. Yeah, so I was telling Charlie that story yesterday because we were talking about technology. I didn't realize he he knew that he'd ever found out why you're in a funk. Yeah, I, I think thought you call- were going to be revealing it to him. No, like, I think, right now, no, oh, okay. I, he called me a couple weeks later and he said I knew something was wrong. I just didn't know what it was, and I'm sorry to hear about your dog. But the the reason this story came up yesterday is Charlie and I were talking about technology and how when we were kids. You know, if you left the house, you were gone, and, and nobody knew how to find you. It's not like they could text you or call you. Yeah. They might think that you were at a friend's house or went to a restaurant. Yeah. They may be able to call there. And so we were talking about how today you're so tethered at all times. And so I told this story about you and I being on this boat, and as I was flying up to Alaska, I found out from my vet that my dog wasn't doing well, and she 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 said she was probably going to have to put him down. And then we get to Alaska. We get up early the next morning, and we are two and a half, two hours east, I think, of yes. of Anchorage, out in the middle of nowhere in this beautiful countryside on this beautiful river, in this boat, and I have got the best cell signal I've ever had in my life, better than being in downtown Austin. But as we're floating down this river, I'm getting this text from my veterinarian saying, uh, "I'm about to put your dog down." Yep. And so that was uh, probably the toughest fishing well, yeah. trip I've ever been <laughs> and on. And it's the, the perfect place for self to reflect and, and not and not hear that as it's happening. Yeah, but it's it crazy. Was, yeah, it was yeah. tough. Well, was tough. Uh, subsequently, I, I found out exactly why you were why you were uh, in that state, so to speak. And uh, and certainly, we're all close to our animals. They are our no best doubt. friend, and no and, doubt uh, they love you unconditionally that's a good thing I especially know. if you if you're in politics you need someone to Absolutely. love you unconditionally it's hard right? to find a friend sometimes that's right so speaking of that we, we've Thank got about they can't talk that's right, <laughs> that's right. Oh we've got about five weeks left in the legislative session are we going to get it all done we're going to get some of it done uh, I do believe we're going to get a budget because that is the only bill that needs to pass. Uh, I think we're very close from uh, the amount of money side. Uh, there are a couple of things working that, are, that we're going to have to continue to plow through to get to a conclusion. One is how we fund the budget. The Senate has one notion of how to do that, and the House has another notion, and and hopefully those will be resolved. It has to do not with the amount of money so much as the method of Strategy. finance. Sure. The method of finance. And so uh, that will continue to work itself through that process. The House heard yesterday a bill uh, in order to fix public education. The House considers this, even though the, the Supreme Court did not uh, rule it unconstitutional, they just said it was Byzantine and and pretty much messed up right and so the the house took that to heart and said well let's try to we can't fix it all we don't have the money to fix it all but let's try to fix some of it let's try to fix some of these age-old problems and so we've done that in house bill 21 and um what's an example like what's one of the age-old problems well you know we have a transportation allotment cost of education index all of which have not been updated since the early 90s or the uh, uh, 1980s 
Uh, we have uh, we have rules set in place for recapture. Austin is one of those communities that uh, has to pay a significant amount of money, hundreds of millions of dollars to the state of Texas because uh, they are a wealthy school district. And, um, and then you have uh, communities out in, in West Texas that have high mineral valuations that ha- are on a roller coaster. Um, and the, we usually run a year behind. So when you have property wealth because of new wells coming on, um, that doesn't catch up with you for a year, um, which has created some inequities and, and, and fiscal cliffs that these schools face. So we tried to address that in House Bill 21, and I think we did a good job. The problem is it costs about $1.8 billion. Now, where do we get $1.8 billion? Right. Uh, the House views this as a priority, and so there is a cash management technique that we've used over the years simply Uh, to defer the school foundation payment by a matter of a couple of days, move it from the end of August to the 1st of September, which which allows um, that $1.8 billion to be funded uh, this biennium so that we can bring some help and some transparency and accountability to our local school districts. The state has benefited uh, by over $3.5 billion in local property taxes that continue to rise, sc- local school property taxes that continue to rise, and the state gets the benefit of that primarily. Right. Over the last 10 years, the state's portion of funding public schools has remained relatively uh, constant dollar-wise, but has gone down percentage-wise. Today, local uh, taxing authorities contribute more than $10 billion more than what the state contributes to public education. Right. And so while leaders in the pink dome say, you know, we decry the rise of property taxes, we're the very cause of that. That's by, right. By the rules and regulations that we have and the laws that we have set in place. And so we think that's disingenuous, that we need to be transparent with the voting public. And so w- the House has decided w- – the best way to do that is to put that money back into the system rather than simply allowing it, that money to be used uh, for other priorities of the state. Right. Well, and, and I, I suspect most people realize that we fund public education in, in Texas uh, through property taxes. And, and, and I think the funding mechanism itself leads to inequities, which leads to the Robin Hood system where, where we have wealthy school districts sharing with less wealthy school districts. Uh, but it creates a mess at the end of the day, and people are never happy about their property taxes, me included. Well, absolutely. And, and, and I'm a property taxpayer here in Travis County also in Austin. So uh, the reality is, um, you know, w- w- there's only – Two sources of income for the state, sales taxes and franchise taxes. Schools are funded with property taxes. The state does not collect property taxes. Right. But yet we have set up a framework about how your property is valued in relation to other properties, how, how uh, uh, local taxing authorities can adjust that value and then charge rates. Uh, so we have interjected ourselves into that situation, but yet we don't collect property taxes. Sure. And that's what's so frustrating about this dialogue we've continued to have. We rail about rising local uh, property taxes, but yet we we send down unfunded mandates, whether it be um, energy defense or health care, uh, those type of things that force mandates upon local 
counties and cities uh, and school districts, but yet we don't give them the money to meet those needs. Right. And that's what's frustrating. It's a big puzzle, a huge problem. You know, Mr. Chairman, we appreciate you and, and all the legislators over there who tackle this issue every session and, and attempt to try to improve it. And so thank you for that. And thank you for your service. And, uh, you know, we, we definitely appreciate you coming in today. We're kind of running low on time, but we hope you'll come back and, and visit with us again and dig into some of these issues. Uh, as you know, we like to conclude every show with some words of wisdom from our guest and and I understand you've, you've brought us some words of wisdom and a story to go along with it. Well, uh, you know, I, I tell this to gatherings from time to time, and, uh, and I think the story illustrates what we need to be about. Uh, there's a story about the farmer selling a mule, puts a sign on the fence, mule for sale. Fella comes driving by, sees the sign, needs a mule, stops, talks to the farmer. Uh, Mr. Farmer, tell me about your mule. The farmer kicks the grass, kind of looks down and said, well, feller, he don't look so good. Well, that's okay. I need a mule, a mule to, uh, to hitch up to my plow, so I'm going to buy your mule. Loads the mule up, takes him to, the, to his farm, unloads the mule, hooks him up to the plow, and the mule just stands there. Well, after about 30 minutes, the, the fellow realized that the mule was blind. <laughs> so he loads the mule back up, takes him back to the farmer, unloads the mule, and says, Mr. Farmer, how come you didn't tell me that the mule was blind? And he said, well, feller, if you'll recall... I told you, he don't look so good. Well, the Bible tells us in Proverbs, without vision, the people will perish. And my job as a legislature is to give vision, and other legislatures is to give visions for the future of Texas. We, we as legislators are charged with a vision for the future of Texas. And we should not live in the collective past of our own histories. And so I would ask everybody to continue to have a vision for this Texas. There's going to be a Texas 50 years and 100 years from now. And what kind of Texas are we going to have? And that's our responsibility today is to provide for that future for Texas. Well, I couldn't agree with that more, and I always appreciate when we close the show with a, with a Bible verse. And, and I know I will, and I know much of our audience will continue to pray for you and the rest of the legislature and, and pray for the future of Texas. We appreciate you being on the Trey Blocker Show today. Absolutely. Thank you, sir. It was a pleasure. This has been the Trey Blocker Show. Find more episodes at treyblocker.com or download them through your favorite podcasting app. 